The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Take our life from us. We laid it down. We got tired. We didn't commit suicide. We committed an act of revolutionary suicide. Protesting the conditions of an inhumane world. Hey everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Get In Loser. We're starting a podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, last week, uh, if you guys listened to last week's episode, I talked about how we almost ended up going with my last resort episode. And, uh, well, since we didn't do that, honestly, guys, because of the holidays and everything, I just didn't want to try and plan another episode. So I figured why not just do an episode off of what I know best, even though I've said many, many times on this channel that I would never do an episode about this. But, you know, sometimes you just got to give the people what they want, man. So, John Fiden, this one's for you, brother. Yeah, this is one he did. Deep down the rabbit hole during quarantine. Yeah. You so, know losers, welcome to our Jonestown episode. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, that's right. We're going to talk about our good old friend Jim Jonesy. Jim that Jim. real piece of shit. Yeah, that real piece of ass clown. Uh, we're not going to get too deep into, uh, you know, his childhood upbringing and all that. It's just... There's not... I mean, there is some juicy stuff there, but there's not a lot of juicy stuff there to talk about. Yeah, you know, how about a time he, uh, when he was like a, a kid, he brought little kids in his community together. Yeah, he was he was practicing being a preacher at a very young age. But uh, we're gonna talk. We're gonna focus a lot more on like Jonestown itself, just because that's where a lot of my knowledge comes from. So uh, we're gonna give you a little rundown of all that stuff, and then we're also gonna dive into a little bit of the conspiracy. Stuff behind it, because, you know, that's my forte. I've got my own conspiracies, obviously. And uh, so we're going to go over a couple of those. Uh, You know, yeah. And then we're just going to get into it. Oh, yeah. Drew, you got anything to add before we start this boy up? Oh, man, I'm just eating a rice crispy tree over here, y'all. Okay, nobody cares. (laughs) All right. All right, guys. Well, uh, Jim Jones was born May 13th, 1931. He was an American cult leader, political activist, preacher, and faith leader who led the People's Temple, a new religious organization which existed between 1955 and 1978, and he led them in what he claimed to be a revolutionary suicide. Jones and his inner circle orchestrated a mass murder in his remote jungle commune at Jonestown, Guyana, on November 18, 1978. So... Like you said, you know, Jones was born nineteen seventy or nineteen thirty one, my bad. Uh yeah, um uh, obviously he didn't just come out of the womb as a cult leader. But I mean I guess he kinda did somewhere in his brain. But uh at a young age he was he got very interested in preaching and uh, you know he uh actually had a mentor, a, a preacher from his neighborhood that he looked up to a lot. 
that he kind of like took advice from in a way. Uh, I think his name was Father Devantai Devin. Yeah, who cares about his name? <laughs> Name's not important. We we don't pronounce names over here, people. Okay, we're not that smart. Nope. But yeah, he he had this preacher from his local community that he looked up to, which is what started Jones on his long path of wanting to become a preacher and practice that faith leader kind of stuff. Uh, uh, Jones, Jim was born to, his father was Jim Jones Sr., who I'm almost positive was a vet. I'm pretty sure he was a war vet, and I can't remember exactly what, but he got injured, I think. He got a couple injuries from the war, I think. And, uh, which, you know, left him pretty much not very active in Jim's life. I mean, they lived with him for a little bit before finally leaving him. But he worked at a factory, Flavor Aid factory, which, you know, ultimately led to what Jones used to kill his people was Flavor Aid. Yeah, not fucking Kool Aid. Like everyone tells you all the time, it was Flavor Aid. Same thing. I'm sick of people always getting that one wrong. Don't drink the Kool Aid. No, it's don't drink the Flavor Aid. I don't drink, drink the Kool Aid sounds better than the Flavor Aid. Whatever. But yeah, anyways, uh, Jim, uh, Jim and his mother, I think, I'm pretty sure his mother was named Marceline. They, uh, they left Jim's father while he was, Jones was still a young boy. Cause you know, I mean, they treated him like shit anyways. So, but yeah, they ended up leaving him. And then, like I said, Jones was very active in like becoming like a preacher uh, when he started People's Temple, though, that's when it got, you know, that's when he, that's when he crossed the line over in a crazy territory, where he wasn't just preaching anymore. He started convincing his followers that he was the second coming and that he was a prophet. He could heal people. He could, you know, do all that old timey stuff they used to talk about. How they said they could take cancer from your body and shit. He would do that. He would use, like chopped up like chickens and stuff and he would pretend that he was that was him pulling the cancer out of your body he did all that crazy shit uh he also a lot something that a lot of people don't know about him is he not only did he have sex with a lot of his female followers which left him fathering a shit ton of fucking kids shit ton but he also slept with a lot of his male followers too but he would always tell them I'm not gay you are the gay one. I'm sleeping with you to help you get the gay out of you. What the fuck? But I'm not gay because I'm a prophet, and that's what I was sent here to do. So, yeah, I mean, pretty early on, they could people could tell that Jim was fucked up. But the question I get a lot when I bring up Jim Jones is, why would people blindly follow this guy if they knew that he wasn't all there in the head? Is because, as much as I hate to say it, Jim Jones was a fucking genius. He was he was a master manipulator, and a lot of the people that he a lot of the people that he focused on recruiting for his you know his people's temple were all African Americans, and during that time when he was still doing it, that's when America was still super heavy into segregation, and Jim Jones would tell these people, hey, you know, come join my church. Here we don't see color. We're all brothers and sisters. We can all live together. 
So, you know, a lot of people were just, they were just seeking, they were seeking shelter. And Jim Jones preyed on people like that because he knew that they'd be easily swayed in a way. But, uh, yeah, they had People's Temple for a while. He, uh, they moved around a lot. Pretty sure they were had one up set up in San Francisco at one point. I think San Francisco might have been where the final one was before they made the jump to Guyana. It was either San Francisco or Indianapolis. It was one of the two. No, it was San Francisco. Okay, yeah, and it was San Francisco. Indianapolis was his first church. Okay, yeah, okay, that's right. Yep. But yeah, after uh, during the time during all this, you know, when he was starting People's Temple, when it got like into an actual thing and it grew into like an actual church. I'm sure I'm going to piss a lot of people off with what I'm about to say next, but he did what a lot of churches did. He took money from his followers, which he then used to, he would send, he would take money from his followers. He would like find a lot of older people too that had like, you know, social security, like, you know, settlements and stuff like that. And he would take that money and he would send it out to his people that were already in Guyana working on the Jonestown compound. He would send that out to them so that they could use it to build you know, their houses and their main hall, all that stuff. So, I mean, yeah, he, I mean, this guy was a fucking genius. He he played it right because, you know, he took a group of people who are not, I don't want to say weak because that sounds like I'm insulting them, but he took a group of people that were in a terrible spot at that point in time and made them think that if they came with him, they'd have a better life and that he would treat them the way they deserve to be treated. So, of course, those people are going to run right to it because, you know, back then, like I said, they were still heavy into segregation. And these, this guy comes up to you preaching about how he's got a safe space for you and that there you'll all be free and you'll all be treated equally. Of course, you're going to run right to it because that's everything you want. You know what I mean? That's what you're looking for. And at the time, it obviously didn't seem like that was ever going to happen in America, that America was ever going to get out of that. So, I mean... He ran. They, they ran right to him. Arms open, man. Wallets open. Ready to give him everything. And Jim's took. Jim took advantage of people like that, and that's what you know led to the horrible accident in November. But I don't want to get too ahead of myself with that. We'll talk about that a little bit down the road. But uh, I also wanted to mention that around this time, around the time of you know, in between Indianapolis and San Francisco during his churches. He uh he was also taking a lot of drugs to stay awake because he couldn't he didn't want to sleep. He just wanted to stay awake all the time. So after a while he would start wearing dark sunglasses and that became like a thing for him was the dark sunglasses. And he just like he always wore them no matter when you see him he was wearing them. And he had told his people that is because because of him being a prophet his eyes would burn so bright that if you looked him right in the eyes you would die. So Yo, Sean, that reminds me of that, uh, I know I'm getting off topic, that reminds me of that Bird Box movie on Netflix. Uh, yeah, yeah. You can't look in the person's eyes. You just... Yeah, he was pulling like a cyclops. Like, I can't open my eyes around him because my eyes are so bright. Because Jim, he ran with the I'm a prophet thing for so long that he started to believe in himself. He started to truly believe that he was a prophet sent from God and that he was doing God's work. Even his mother believed it. His mother gave into it too, you know, when she was young, she would tell people that he was the, you know, he was the second coming and that he was sent there from God. And, you know, he was just, guy was fucked in the head, man. But, 
Yeah, he would take a lot of drugs, and his eyes became like super bloodshot all the time. You know, and you could tell, you could tell a lot of the time. You could tell looking just looking at him that he was on drugs because of how many he would take constantly. Hey, Sean, did, did he ever do any booze or any alcohol? Uh, I think you. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was an alcoholic too. He was into a lot of shit. So, I mean, it wasn't just drugs. He was taking, you know, he was sipping all. He was having promiscuous sex with all his followers, which, you know, gave him a lot. He had a bunch of kids. He adopted a bunch of people's kids. The guy had tons of wives, man. I know he only had, like, one main wife. Yeah, he had one main wife, but he would, like, he wouldn't, like, exactly marry his followers, but he would, like, get together with them. And then he would either have a child with them or he would adopt their children, which... I'm not sure if there was anybody else, but I'm, I know for 100% that one of Jim's actual biological chi- children survived Jonestown because he wasn't at the compound. And then another kid that I think he adopted also wasn't at the compound, and he survived too. I'm not sure if any of his other children survived, but I know that at least two did. One of his biological children and then one a child that he adopted. But yeah, they, uh, so yeah, he was really into drugs, uh, you know, he was doing that shit a lot, which obviously altered his mental state too, but when he got to Jonestown, it got a little strange. <laughs> you know, at one time I watched, yeah, like, I went over his house, we watched his documentary, I went, the fuck was going on, like. Oh, this motherfucker! It was like a movie slash real document. Was like, I didn't know what the hell was going on. Sean's like, oh, watch this. <laughs> I watch, like, like I watched it. Like at that point, I just dropped my phone. And I'm watching. And I was like, oh, this is getting interesting. Yeah, he. Uh, I mean, I mean, yeah. I guess it's fair to say that I got a little too into it for a while there. But I mean, I was fascinated by it. It was, it was very crazy to me that what seemed like just a normal-ass dude was able to lead this many people into taking their own lives. Because, like, if you look at most cult leaders, almost all of them have one thing in common. The power. They love the feeling of having power over other people. And that's what... Jim was super about that. He loved... He loved having the feeling of having power over others. And, you know, and that's what... that That is one of the things that led to him you know, being able to coerce so many people into what he did because he was such, like, a master manipulator that he would, he literally had convinced these people that it was his way or death. Like, they had no choice, you know what I mean? And, I mean, there was, there was a lot of people that fought back, obviously. There's people that weren't really about it near the end. They didn't really want to be much into it. But the thing you guys got to understand is when they got to Jonestown... Uh, Jim got very paranoid. I mean, he was already very paranoid. That's one of the reasons why he left San Francisco so fast and went to Jonestown is because he was paranoid that the government was coming after them. So, but he got very paranoid there too, to the point where he had armed guards all around the camp. So if you tried to leave, you know, I mean, if you tried to sneak out and they caught you, boom, dead, they'd kill you on the spot because you're a, they called you a defector. You know what I mean? It was either you listen to what Jim wants you to do and you do what he wants you to do or you're dead. That was your only choices at the time. 
because he was he was so in his head he he honestly thought that God had sent him to earth to to do this and that if you didn't want to do what he was trying to tell you to do that God would want you dead so he felt like he was performing God's work in a way you got something to say Drew yeah um I'm looking at his timeline all that I don't, I don't know if you're ready for the timeline all stuff yet yeah go ahead um, nineteen fifty four, uh, Jones opened church in 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 Indianapolis. Uh, about race equal equal opportunity for the like, how you said for the African Americans joining. Nineteen sixty five, uh, worry about nuclear attack. Jones and many church member family moved to uh, Utica. Yeah. Uh, Jones declared the Bible is false, and he is. God's true prophet. In 1970, Jones begins service in, in San Francisco. 1973, Jones declared, for some unexpected reason, I happened to be selected by God after eight members define, defend or defense Jones. Defect. Defect Jones. First mentioned. Wait, no, that's stupid ad. <laughs> Um, nineteen seventy four. This one, he uh, leased more than three thousand eight eight hundred acres of land in Guyana. 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 That's when he started building Jonestown. Yeah, it took when, him. It took him three years to get yeah, all that that's when built. Construction started. I mean, they weren't there for long because, I mean, think about it. They went, they went there like what nineteen seventy three, seventy four, something like that, right? No, nineteen seventy seven. Okay, yeah, they they went there nineteen seventy seven, and then the year later, they're all dead. So they weren't there long. I mean, <laughs> no, like a year and three months or something. Yeah, they weren't that. It didn't last long, but within that, within that short time of them being there, things got hectic in Jonestown. Like it got bad, and people had started waking up to what was actually happening. Like Jones had run these drills called the White Knight drills, and he would run them at all times. I mean, and he had a loudspeaker. He had a loudspeaker system all over, set up all over the compound, and it would run all night long. All night, nonstop. And it'd be Jones talking all night long because this guy never slept. He would just pop drugs every day to keep him awake. And he would t- he would perform these white night drills, which was basically like they would say white night, and that would mean that the government was coming to, like, kill them. So they'd all have to, like, get up. They'd have to run, you know what I mean? There was another drill, too, that they used to run. Where or like, uh, not like a drill, but there was like another thing. He would like wake people up at all hours of the night to come and have a big group like meeting and shit. You know, what I mean, like have a big kind of like a prayer circle, like what Jim Jones called a prayer circle. But he would do it at all different times of the night. So like this guy, obviously we know from his history that before then he was already starting to lose his mind. But once he got to Jonestown, it got like bad, excessively bad. Like he started to, you know. That's when he started ranking up. He started racking up the more talking about how, you know, the government was coming for them and that they were not safe there. At one point, he was telling them that their only shelter was to seek shelter with Russia, that Moscow, that Russia was going to give them safe passage so that they could get away from the U.S. government. I mean, he was spewing bullshit after bullshit to these people constantly, and these people were eating it up because... You know what I mean? Like I said, it was either his way or death. You had no choice at that time. There was nothing else you could do. You know what I mean? So, 
Yeah, like Drew said, 19, what did you say, it took not three years, 1973? 74. It took him to then to finally build Jonestown? Yeah. Um, yeah, 74, Jones leased more than, I, I said, 3,800 acres of land. That's, a, that's uh, 3,800 acres, that's, holy shit. Oh, yeah, shit. I mean, look up, look up, like, overall, like, like, a helicopter view of, like, the compound. It's pretty big. I mean, it's a decent size. They had... Like a main hall, they had little shacks for people to sleep in and shit. So, I mean, obviously, I'm pretty sure the only photos you're able to see of it are with all the dead bodies there too. But, oh yeah, yeah, I saw those. Which photos. is unfortunate, but I mean, I mean, if you really look at it, they had. I mean, it was a decent sized place. In um, 1975, uh, Jones reaches highest highest of the power in San Francisco. Like he he can't go any higher. Yeah, yeah. That's why. That's another reason why. He wanted to leave to go to San Francisco. I mean, he wanted to leave to go to Jonestown because, you know, he wanted more. He didn't want to stop at the top. He wanted more. And he was trying to tell them that the people, the government was going to let them live the way that they wanted to live so that their only choice was to go to Jonestown so that they could live free the way they wanted to. That was their only choice. So, I mean, that's why, like Drew said, he was at the top. He was at the highest level he could go to in San Francisco, and that's when... It really clicked in his mind, like, all right, I got to get out of here because I got, you know, I, this isn't enough for me. Like, I want more. I want more power. Yeah, I need more power. So that's why he went to Jonestown. And that's why he started setting up armed guards because then he, when he got to the point of, like, having armed guards that would patrol the camp, he knew then he had the most control over people that he could have. Like, he literally held the power in his hands, like, if somebody lives or dies. Like he had, he was at like the top top level, and he was loving every minute of it. Um, nineteen seventy seven, nineteen seventy eight, during the whole time Jonestown, there was a a group of forum. Several lawsuits are filed for return of the children of Jonestown because these people know the kids are not safe. Yeah, there was also. Uh, we're gonna get into it in a minute. There's a a congressman involved too. I mean, if you guys have ever heard the story, then you know who I'm talking about. But I'm going to get into that in a minute because I got some stuff here about it. But uh, basically, when they all, when everybody had made the move to Jonestown, a lot of the families of the people that have gone, that have went with Jones, a lot of them, you know, they were at congressmen's doors every day. They were, in, they were everywhere. I mean, they were calling news stations about how they, they wanted their families out of there. They They knew something wasn't right. And they wanted somebody to go investigate it because they knew. I mean, they listen. I mean, the people that were in Jonestown had no contact to the outside world. I think they had like a CB radio on camp, but that was about it. But nobody else. It's like it's not like you could just call out to your loved ones and tell them like, "Hey, I love you," because I mean, they were deep in the woods. Like, if you tried to get away and you tried to run through the woods, there was basically no cover. Like, it was. Almost complete darkness because of all the tr- how heavy the trees were in, ba- in that area. And also, um, if if you escaped his goons, yeah, I'm gonna call it, I'm gonna call his guards goons. That's what they were. They were goons. They were guying goons. Yeah. Um. If if you escaped there, you ain't gonna survive the jungle because you don't know what is in that jungle. Yeah. I mean, they they knew that if you got far enough into the jungle, they would they wouldn't even bother looking for you because they they knew you weren't gonna survive. There's no way. But uh. Yeah, like I said, there was, there was people's families that had started reaching out about how they wanted somebody to go and investigate what was happening in Jonestown because they just, 
They just knew that something wasn't right. They knew it was very weird how they just up and packed their shit and just left for Jonestown one day. You know what I mean? And they wanted somebody to, to go and check on their family because they they didn't feel like their family was safe. So like Drew said, they started writing petitions. They started emailing congressmen, emailing news stations, you know what I mean? Anything they could to try and get the story out there. And Jones found out about this. He knew from like his people that he had back here, like in America, in the States. Writing letters and shit. Yeah, they were like telling him like, Jones, you know, there's people here that are starting to ask about like their families and shit. Like there's people that are starting to like get into like investigating you. So Jones knew it was coming. So it made him even more paranoid. That's when he started to uh, make him do these drills telling them that one day they would no longer be safe and that the government was going to come for them and that they were going to torture their women and children. And that's when the White Knight... Yeah, that's when the White Knight started to happen. Yeah, Jones will call alert, alert over the PA. Yeah. That's just like, all right, guys, get your ass ready. We're going about to be running or about to be fighting these guys pretty soon. Yeah, I mean, you can look up interviews on YouTube of, like, the people, some of the people that did survive. And you could, I mean, they'll tell you the some of the stuff that they, the detail they go into is insane, man. Like, the shit this guy put these people through. Like, it's insane. I mean, luckily enough, there were some people that were able to survive, but. Not everybody did, and the ones that didn't, that's like the worst tragedy. Hey, Sean, I got a question for you. Will you, will you be uh, Jones' uh, goon, or will you be one of the people? If you if you had the option, you know what was going on. I mean, it, honestly, I've thought about this before, because when I when I dug deep into the, the rabbit hole, and I mean, I'm sure you guys have heard me say it a hundred times on here, I don't want to be a broken record, but uh, I went so deep into the Jonestown rabbit hole that for a while there, it honestly gave me nightmares. Like, no joke. I'm not even trying to be funny. Like, I legit would have nightmares. Yeah, no lie, y'all. He called me up in the middle of the day. He's like, dude, I went deep down in the rabbit hole. He's like, what the fuck you did this time? I went more, I did more research on Jonestown. I mean, we just, in November, we just had the 42nd anniversary of the massacre. And for some reason, I don't know why I put myself through it again, but I listened to the death tapes again. Which, if you guys don't know the death tapes, it's like a 40-minute recording of, like, everything that led up to them taking their lives. It's like the last recording to ever come out of Jonestown from these people. Yeah, I heard heard a little bit of that recording. I didn't hear the full 40 minutes. I heard a little bit of the recording because Sean wanted to be a dick. Like, hey, listen to this. I listened to it for a little bit. I started getting a little chills. Guys, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you when I tell you this. It is the most heart-wrenching thing I've ever listened to in my entire life. You got, like, little kids crying. You got babies in there because they don't want to drink the uh, flavor. Yeah, I mean, these peop- these some of these babies were force-fed the poison by their parents because their parents were convinced they had no other choice. And, I mean, and you could hear them talking. I mean, you could literally, and if you didn't decide to take it on your own, Jones' goons would force you to take it. They would. Sh- they went around with syringes, and they would shoot people up if they refused to do it. All right, all right Sean, I got another weird question situation. I like. Will you force your? Will you drink the uh, flavor aid, or will you have his goons shoot you up? I don't know. You, you I mean, got no could, option. You got no option. Can I answer your first question first? Since yeah. I didn't even answer it. I thought about it when I went deep down into. I you know I started to pose the question to myself about like what what I've done. Like, either if I was in that situation or if I could, like, somehow go back in time now to when it was happening. And, I mean, if I can go back in time to when it was happening, I'd probably do literally anything in my power I could to try and get people out of there and try and warn people what's actually happening. So so you'd be like a spy, kind of? Yeah. 
I mean, if I could, I'm sure I'd probably die for it, but I mean, dying for that would feel better than how I feel now every day when I'm reminded of something about Jonestown and I have to relive the fucking death tapes because listening to those things the first time was probably the worst mistake I've ever made in my life. What time What time was that about you listening to death tapes at? I mean, probably the first time I went down the rabbit hole, I listened to him. I started listening, when I first listened to my first podcast about Jonestown, it was the last podcast on the left. I listened to a three-part series about it. And then they put out the death tapes as like a, a bonus episode. And I'd listened to it. I listened to about, I got about five minutes into it while I was at work, and I couldn't do it. I had to shut it off because I just couldn't listen to it at work. It was too much. So then I went home later that night, and then I listened to it at home. And I'm not going to lie to you guys, man. I sat in my room and I fucking cried. I bawled my eyes out. I bawled my eyes out for people I've never met in my entire life. People I don't even know. Like, I was that broken up about it. It hurt me that much that, you know, I just... It was tough, man. It was tough to hear that. It was It was tough to know everything I had known at that point about Jonestown and then listen to the death tapes. It was rough, man, to know that, like... I don't know, just, I don't want to give away too much detail now because I want to talk about a little bit of it, but I mean, you'll know what I'm talking about in a little bit when we talk about it, but knowing what I knew then when I listened to the death tapes the first time, I don't think I'll ever regret anything more in my life than I regret doing that because, like, I'm talking to you guys 100% for real here, that shit, it fucked me up listening to that, man. And, you know, I, uh, it still kind of tortures me, honestly. Like, I'll think about it sometimes. And, like, because I watched, like, movies about it and shit, and, like, I watched, like, shit on YouTube about it, sometimes, like, a recommendation will come up on, like, my YouTube. Like, oh, since you list, since you researched Jonestown, you know what I mean? And, like, I don't know, it's just, I guess I'm kind of hoping in a way by talking about this shit it'll help me. Maybe get over it finally. I don't know. Maybe I'll be haunted by it for the rest of my life. Who knows? But anyways, yeah, like Drew said, like Drew asked, if I could be there, knowing what happened, I'd probably try and do whatever I could to get people out. And what was your other question? Will you... Um, oh, would I take it myself or I've... I don't know, honestly. Or, or if if you pick the answer, you've been a goon, like a secret spy... You know how done? I'll be that ass. I was like, all right, oh, okay. I would, I would walk around with empty syringes, honestly. If I was, a, if I was one of his goons, I'd walk around with empty syringe, and when I would go to stab people in the neck, I would whisper to them, "Just pretend, pretend to be dead." And you know what I mean? Yeah, I'll probably do that. Yeah, but, but, I mean, I'm sure that, I'm sure you would come across somebody who was so loyal to Jim that they would snitch on you for it. But if I could have saved at least one person to get out of there, then it would have been worth it, honestly. No. But if that happens, like I'm going around with like a clean, a clean syringe. I go around like he goes to Jones. Like I'll, i I, I won't kill him. I'll just hit him back of the head with the uh, rifle. Yeah, but I don't know. It's just. Yeah, but then if I, I'll, I'll pick the goon, but I'll be a spy kind of goon. Yeah. And if it came down to me drinking it, I was like, hey, I said I know Jones longer than all you guys. I'm going to let you guys drink it first. I'll drink it after. Yeah, it's rough, man. But then after that, I just, like the um, like off of Zombieland, you know, when the guy was taking a shot, he just throws out the window. Yeah. Oh, this is really good. Yeah, it's rough, man. I mean, 
But yeah, like we were saying, you know, there was families that started reaching out. They wanted answers. They knew that something wasn't right, and they didn't want... They wanted to know what happened to their family and why their family was there. And around that time when they'd started looking for somebody to help, that's when they'd come across Congressman Leo Ryan. And Leo Ryan, he uh, he was a U.S. representative in California. And the way he plays into this story is that when he found out about these people, I'm pretty sure they started a movement. I can't remember what the name of the movement was, but I'm pretty sure they started a movement. And it was just a bunch of families that just wanted to know what happened to their loved ones and why, you know, they had left. And they were worried about them. So Leo Ryan, he uh, he went out there. He went out there with a group of reporters and relatives of the cultists to conduct an unofficial investigation of alleged abuses. Uh, and while they were there, you know, Jim didn't, he played the part well, you know what I mean? Because when they, when he, they announced that they were coming first, they wouldn't let any of the family members come. They made the family members stay back in Georgetown, which was just outside of Jonestown, which is, you know, like a place where like the Guyana government lived and shit. But they, they made the family members stay back there because they weren't allowed to come into Jonestown. That was one of Jim's rules. So, Leo Ryan, one of his assistants, I believe. Yeah, I believe his assistant. Yeah, Leo Ryan, his assistant, and some reporters, a a few reporters, news reporters, went into Jonestown, and, you know, they went there to investigate. And while they were there, they talked to a few people, asked them if they felt safe in Jonestown, if they wanted to leave, and almost all the people said, no, you know, we love it here. We we want to be here. Because what else are you going to say? What are you going to tell them straight out? Oh, I don't want to fuck it. I want to leave? Because, you know, worried about that Jim's going to kill you if you try and defect. So a lot of them just straight up said, you know, we like it here. We want to be here. But later that night, Jim put on a big dinner for them, you know, for like real Ryan and his guests. And during the dinner, after the dinner, they had like, you know, they were like dancing in the main hall and stuff, and during it, one of the, one of the defectors in the in the camp, had walked up to one of the reporters and he tried to slip them a note, that said, "Help us, we want to leave." And when he tried to slip them a note, the guy wasn't paying attention, and the note fell on the ground. And one of Le- uh, Jim Jones's people picked it up. But when Leo Ryan had found out. That there was people that wanted to leave. He asked Jim, hey, can these people leave? Like, are you going to make these people stay here? Are they against their will if they want to leave? And Jim said, if they want to leave, then they can leave. I'll let them leave. So. Yo, that'd be some gangster ass shit right there. Like, if, no, I bet Jim knew the whole fucking time. Like, all right, if you guys want to leave, go ahead. There's a door. I'm not stopping you. But, uh, he, but he's on the phone. I don't know how, what kind of communication they have over there. Hey goons, um, we gotta get ready to go hunting soon. Yeah, he uh, hold on. Yeah, but this uh, but Lee uh Lee Ryan, he he looked he looked like a typical con- Congress person with the nice little uh part of haircut with the tie and that. Yeah, he uh. I'm trying to find 
the story about the airstrip after they had left. I'm sorry, guys. I'm trying. Yeah, to... you know, um, I remember watching that movie because, like, every time I watch a movie with Sean, he always gets mad because I'm on my phone for some strange reason. Like, I stopped looking at my phone and started looking at the picture. It was uh, it was crazy. Like that that scene, uh, the airport scene. It was probably like, like, good. I wasn't expecting like people getting shot off like that. Oh yeah, so yeah, uh, Jones told Leo Ryan and the reporters that if there was people there that wanted to leave, that they could leave, and he would let them. So, uh, you know, hold on, I just had it. Now I lost it again. Oh yeah, uh, four days later, after Leo Ryan and them had arrived, four days later, uh, Ryan. His assistant, or one of his, you know, one of the people that were with him. Oh, sorry, I got a leg cramp. One of the people that were with him, uh, the reporters and 14 defectors from the Colt Colt had prepared to leave from an airstrip, Port Kaituma, which was near Jonestown. But when they had left, right before they had left to get on the truck, there was an attack. One of the guys had attacked... One of Jones' guys that attacked Leo Ryan. Uh, I'm pretty sure he wasn't injured too badly. But, you know, you could tell right then and there that tensions were high. So they just wanted to get out of there. But then right before they left, a guy named Larry Layton said that he also wanted to defect too. He wanted to leave. But Larry Layton was a guy that Jones told to go with them. Because he had his own special mission when they got to the airstrip. Hey, Sean, can you, can you uh, tell what does define or... Defect? Defect mean? Basically, defector just means, you know, you want out. Like, they, they don't want to be part of the cult anymore. They wanted to leave. They wanted to get out. They wanted to go home. And that's what they'd call... Jones called them defectors because, you know, he believed that they they didn't believe in what he was trying to do anymore, so... He was kind of, it was kind of like blacklisting them. He was blacklisting them, kind of. They became blacklisted to People's Temple because they didn't, they no longer believed in what they were trying to do. But, like I said, uh, Jones had sent Larry Layton with them to their strip because when they got there, when they started loading up one of the planes, Larry Layton shot one of the pilots. Uh, he was sent there by Jones to assassinate a pilot. And at that same time, a truck full of people, Jones's people, had pulled up at the airstrip and had began opening fire on Leo Ryan and his reporters and the 14 defectors. Jones had sent them there to assassinate them. However, only Ryan and four others, including three reporters, were killed. So Leo Ryan, the man who agreed to help try and bring these people's families home, now would not be coming home to his family alive because Jim Jones had him assassinated. Yo, um, if you guys uh, ever, ever want to see his tombstone, it's in St. Brito or Brato, Brito or California. Uh, he's the uh, He's the only member of Congress... Congressman to kill in line of duty 
1983, the United States Congress uh, awarded Ryan the Commissioner Gold Medal Award. That's like a high award. Yeah, uh, Sean, we should definitely go out. Uh, we should definitely go out on a Saint uh, or Saint uh, wherever California. I'm down. We'll go to Resender for a t- couple minutes or however long. Yeah, and that, uh, by the way, guys, Larry Layton, he was acquitted of attempted murder in a Guyanese court, but he was later convicted in U.S. federal court on conspiracy charges stemming from the shootings and served 18 years in prison. Uh, Along with Rio Ryan, four other people died in the Port Kaituma airstrip shooting. Uh, Photographer Greg Robinson of the San Francisco Examiner Cameraman Bob Brown and reporter Don Harris from NBC and Temple Defector Patricia Parks. The most seriously injured were Ryan's legislative counsel, Jackie Spear, who, that was the lady I was talking about. She suffered, I think she suffered nine gunshot wounds. So she was near death. But she somehow survived. Uh, also, also seriously wounded was Temple Defector Vernon Gosney and Monica Bagby, Anthony Katsaris of the Concerned Relatives, and NBC, NBC soundman Steve Sung. Uh, those who sustained less serious wounds included Tim Reiterman of the San Francisco Examiner, Ron Javers of the San Francisco Chronicle, Beverly Oliver of Concerned Relatives, and Richard Dwyer, the Deputy Chief of Mission, of the U.S. Embassy. So yeah, that concerns that concerned relatives. That was the movement they had started. I, that's the name I was looking for. That was the movement that these people had started. That were trying to get their family out of Jonestown. But uh, yeah, that that's what happened at the in Port Kaituma on the airstrip when Leo Ryan had tried bringing defectors out of Jonestown. They were attacked and they were assassinated. Uh, but when word got back to the camp that that had happened, Jones spinned it into the government had killed Leo Ryan and their people because, and that they were coming after them next. So that's when Jones enacted his suicide plan. He had already had vials. He had already, there was a doctor. They had ties to a doctor who was on, who was in Jonestown. He provided them with cyanide poisoning, and they had packets upon packets of flavor aid, cherry flavor aid to be exact. Uh, They took a big barrel, and that's what they made the poison with. And so on November 18th, Jim Jones commanded his followers to drink cyanide alterated punch in order that the vast majority of them passively passively and inexplicably ab- obeyed. Uh, like I said, there was a lot of people that tried not to, that didn't want to, and they were forced into it either by being syringed or they would hold them and make them drink it. Uh, a lot of the people had to force feed it to their babies with syringes by squeeze, squirting it into their mouths. Uh, but Jones... Had told his people that there was no other way out. That 
people were coming for them and that they were going to be killed. They were going to torture their women and children. And that they were not committing suicide. They were committing a revolutionary suicide. That their suicide, that their mass suicide was going to mean something to the rest of the world. That it was going to tell them that they chose not to live the way the government wanted them to live. So they chose to go out the way they wanted to go out. Jim Jones truly and honestly believed this. And, you know, that... The final count after the deaths was eventually placed at 913 people, including 304 who were under the age of 18. Some death tolls include the five people killed at the airstrip, bringing the total number of deaths to 918. Before 9-11, it was the largest mass casualty in U.S. history. But... Yeah, if that's the largest casualty, are you talking about U.S. soil or are you talking about just in general? Just like in history. Like not like, you know what I mean? Like not like considering like wars and shit. God damn. Yeah, it was fucking huge, man. And uh, Yo, there was... Oh. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, when I was doing, um, when I was looking up this uh, episode today, yeah, I got to get better at doing that, people. I got to do a couple days in advance. Because, to be honest, I really don't care for Jonestown. Like, I'm just I'm just here. Just say whatever. Um, yeah, when I did the research, I saw all the names. The people died. It was like, I'm scrolling, scrolling. Like, holy fuck. Yeah, and I mean, there was... Like I said, there was a good chunk of people that, all, that survived, too. Because... The total number of people that lived in Jonestown before all this went down was, I think, a little over a thousand people, or maybe well over a thousand people. So there was a lot of people that survived too. Uh, last I heard, they were able to identify eighteen or eighty-seven temple members who had survived, and thirty-six of them were people who began their day in Jonestown, the day of the mass suicide. Yeah, how how. Let's talk about that one, uh, the one girl that was underneath. I was the just about to say her name, uh, Hyacinth Thrash. I'm sorry if I butchered the name. Uh, this one is a weird case because she actually slept through the deaths. She, when she had heard all the commotion around the camp about what was happening, she slid underneath her bed to hide, and she felt she passed out under there. And when she had woken up, everyone was dead. The whole compound was covered in dead bodies. So imagine being this lady waking up and you have to walk around. And you have to walk around and you see all of your friends and family just laying dead on the ground. Can you imagine yep. being that woman? Yeah. Me and Sean talk about this on a car ride. That's how that's how we usually have our quick meetings. Yeah, I'm telling you the back scene. But anyway, uh, yeah, we were talking about it. If Sean said he was the girl, he would go to Jones' body and just, just start punching like 2,900 times or something. Oh, yeah, that's the... Thanks for saying that, Drew, actually. That was the one thing I forgot to mention is Jim Jones was so much of a piece of shit that he did not take the cyanide poisoning. He did not kill himself with cyanide. 
Because when they the people that killed themselves with that, it, it wasn't a quick death. They suffered a little bit before they died, which makes it even worse. Jim Jones did not do that. He had one of his assistants shoot him in the head. Technically, shoot him in the head. And then afterwards, she was tasked with walking the compound to make sure that everyone was dead before she could take her own life, which is what she did. She walked the compound, seen that everybody around was dead, and then she shot her. Then she drank the side. Then she drank the flavor aid too and killed herself. But yeah, among the other people that survived uh, was Stanley Clayton, Odell Rhodes, and Grover Cleveland Davis. Three men who independently of each other decided not to participate in the deaths. Uh, I'm pretty sure they worked for Jones and they just chose not to, I guess, anymore. Uh, Tim Carter, Michael Carter, Mike Prokes, who were dispatched by the Jonestown leadership to carry money to the Soviet embassy in Georgetown. But Prokes, Mike Prokes, committed suicide four months later after the Jonestown Massacre. Sixteen defectors, including Larry Layton, who posed as a defector, who accompanied Leo Ryan's congressional party from Jonestown and who came under attack at the airstrip, and eleven Jonestown residents in a party led by Richard Clark who left the community on the morning of no- 18th of November and walked to Matthews Ridge. Uh, Hubert Newell and Clithard Gieg who had been dispatched from Jonestown early that morning to take a temple boat ride, the Kudjo, the down the Kaituma River for supplies. Most of the remaining survivors were temple members in Georgetown. Some were part of the group's logistical base in Guyana's capital. Some were in the city for, ba- for medical reasons, and some were there to participate in a basketball tournament. That's where, two, that's where the two of Jim Jones' sons that survived come into play. They were away at a basketball tournament at the time of the the suit, the mass suicide. So can you imagine being those two boys and coming back and not only hearing that your father is dead, but that he led 918 people to kill themselves? Yeah. Just imagine, just imagine going back to the basketball game and your team won. It's like, oh, Dad, I can't wait to tell you. I, 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 say, I can't wait to tell Dad our team won. Go home, Dad? Dad? It's fucked, man. It's fucked. Yo, um, you want to hear an interesting fact? Uh, Jim Jones had a pet monkey named Mr. Uh, Mogus. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Just have a monkey just chilling? He's just a weird fucking dude, man. But yeah, they did, like it said, they did have a little base in Georgetown also, which is uh, a lot of the time who they communicated with. And there was a lady who was staying there at the time. She was there, and with her was a... a young girl and her two siblings, this lady had tried to murder them that day. Like, after she'd found out that the, the mass suicide was going down, she tried to kill this girl and her two siblings. What, at the household? At, at the Order of Jones, yep. In Georgetown. I, I remember that in that movie. Yep. Uh, and then there was also a handful of people that survived because they were neither in Georgetown or Jonestown. And those people are Helen Swinney, Charlie Touchette, Richard Gennaro, and Phil Blakely, who were on another temple boat, the Albatross Three in the Caribbean. 
Joyce Park, who was in who was in Venezuela purchasing medical supplies for Jonestown, and Claire Gennaro, who arrived on the evening of 18th November at the Georgetown Airport en route to see her two children in Jonestown, and who heard about Leo Ryan's assassination on the taxi ride to the city. So this lady had touched down the day that they all took their lives with the idea that she was going to go there and see her kids. And on the way, on the way, her taxi ride into the city, that's when she found out about Leo Ryan's assassination. And I'm sure not long after that is when she found out that her children were dead. So Jonestown, Jim Jones not only convinced these people to kill themselves, but he took people's families away from them. People's kids, people's grandparents. People's parents. What a fucking piece of dick. Jig cheesy is. Jim Jones will forever live, at least in my mind, as one of the worst scumbags in history. You think Hitler was a bad guy? There's nothing to compare to how much of a piece of shit Jim Jones was. And I mean, it's something that, I mean, his, ultimately though, in the end, Jim got exactly what he wanted. He's infamous. He'll live on forever. You know, um, you know I was thinking, um... You know that show, uh, Umbrella Academy, with uh, the the I forgot what number Klaus. He he almost he almost pulled a Jim Jones situation. Huh? Could have. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying if Sean ever joins a cult, y'all. By the power of us, we we're going there. We're gonna kick some ass, drink <laughs> beer. I'm my Stone Cold Stone Jim Jones the second. But yeah, like I see, I mean. We're doing it exactly right now. This is exactly what Jones always wanted. He wanted people to continue talking about him. And people will continue talking about him for years to come. You we're never going to get to a place in time where nobody talks about Jim Jones. I guarantee you that. He is a name that's going to live on forever. Like guys like Bundy, Dahmer, Hitler. Guys <laughs> like that. You know, just to name a few. So, I mean, ultimately, we gave, Jim's exa- we gave Jim exactly what he wanted. Power. He's still he's still because in the end he'll be he'll be remembered forever and he'll be talked about forever, and to him, he, he won. that's that yeah that's him winning, and I mean we'll go we'll dive a little into the conspiracy in a minute, we'll talk we'll just go a little bit over what my favorite conspiracy is about it, but before we go into that I just wanted to say real quick that to the victims of Jonestown, I hope you found peace on the other side. And to Jim Jones, I hope you're fucking rotting in the deepest pits of hell. Well, pineapple goes up your ass like in Little Nicky. Yeah, I said it. (laughs) But, oh yeah, also, something I just recently found out, there's actually a song about Jim Jones. Apparently, I did not know about this before. There's like a couple songs of it. Yeah, there's a song about Jim Jones. I might listen to it after this just to see what it's like. But I thought that was pretty interesting. But yeah, that just goes to show you. I mean, guy, like we said, the guy's infamous. He'll be fucking remembered forever. And that, in the end, in his mind, he won because that's exactly what he wanted. But now, we could jump into a little. We could jump into the part that's a little harder to sell people on because obviously there's very little proof, and a lot of the proof, I guess you could say, could be, you know, swayed that it's not actually proof, but. If you guys know me, then you know, obviously, I believe it. But one of the biggest conspiracies surrounding Jonestown is that Jim Jones 
was part of the MK Ultra program. What? Which, if you guys know, we did talk a little bit about this on one episode one time when Drew and Mike, uh, yeah, we you know, set. when they what tricked that? me into talking about it. It was our psychedelic episode. Yeah, when they tricked me into talking about it. <laughs> but, yeah, MK Ultra basically was a government program in the 70s where they had found ways to have mind control over people. They had been able to find a way to manipulate people into doing what they wanted them to do. So the biggest conspiracy theory is that Jim Jones was a member of MK Ultra, and that Jonestown was a test done by the government to see if MK Ultra could basically do what they wanted it to do, which is could they lead people like Jim Jones into doing something like this? Because there's there's about six months of Jones's life that is unaccounted for that basically nobody that is alive now knows where he was for six months. And it's been said that he was in the he was around the Caribbeans or something like that. He was somewhere around the time and the place that he was at around that time, the government was also testing MK Ultra subjects in the exact same place around that time. Coincidence? Not really. So I mean obviously there's not a lot of proof to it. I mean the official story is that Jones died there that day on the compound that he was shot in the head. But there's a tape that they released a couple of years later after the massacre. Uh, they released it to the public. And it is a tape that is recorded on the compound the day after the suicide. And it's recordings of somebody changing radio stations, listening to a bunch of different radio stations report about the mass casualty. And I mean, and if you fine tune the audio, if you, I listen to a podcast, a shout out first, yeah, actually shout out to Transmissions from Jonestown. It's a podcast on Spotify. Uh, I mean, whoever runs that, your what your you know your work is fucking fantastic. But uh, they're the ones that I heard about this tape from, and they actually had put in their one of their episodes. They had broke down the audio and they had like fine tuned it. So that you could hear some of the background noise. And in the background you could hear two people talking. And one of the people talking sounds a lot like fucking Jim Jones. So one of the theories is that, you know, it's so like the theory is that Jim Jones was a subject of MK Ultra program. Uh, the government had brainwashed him into committing Jonestown. And, you know... After the Jonestown Massacre had happened, they, you know, Jones and his assistant, who technically shot him in the head, had survived. The next day, they were recording clips from the radio stations about people talking about Jonestown. And then when the government finally got... Because the government didn't get there right away after the massacre happened. I think they were probably... I can't remember exactly how long before they finally showed up and started processing everything, but it was a it was a good chunk of time. So people believe that when the government finally got there, they are the ones who took out Jim Jones. That they killed Joan, that they killed Jim. They're the ones that shot Jim in the head and, you know, killed his assistant to cover up the fact that it was all part of an MK Ultra program. So, I mean, yeah. That, I mean, there's... You guys can look it up. I mean, there's tons and tons of conspiracies surrounding 
Jim Jones is a person and Jonestown. I mean, there's tons of shit that... I mean, we didn't even tap the surface in this episode, honestly, because there's a lot... There's tons of shit you could talk about when talking about this. I just didn't want to get super deep into it because there's so much information that you'd have to go through. And to be honest with you guys, I just don't really want to go through all that information again because it's just too much to handle, honestly. Do y'all want part two? Just let us know. No. (laughs) I know I said before I wouldn't do a part one, but I swear to God on everything I love, I will never do this subject again, so don't ask. Hey, Fighting, you're happy now. We got your wish. But if you want a part two... Just let us know. But yeah, guys, I just wanted to hit you a little something. Yeah, that was a good episode. One of the, one of the last things that Jones said before he died. Uh, I've tried my best to give you a good life. In spite of all that, I've tried. A handful of our people with their lies have made our life impossible. There's no way to detach ourselves from what's happened today. That was one of the last things Jim Jones ever said before you know, before he had led 918 people to kill themselves. So, you know, that's it, guys. That's Jonestown. In a nutshell. I mean, like I said, if it's something that you're really interested in and you want to actually know more about it, you can go. I mean, I'd advise you not to go down the rabbit hole, but obviously you can if you want to. But just know that there's a lot of, it's trigger warning for sure because there's a lot of stuff that's going to fuck with your head. Especially the death tapes. If you listen to the death tapes, that that shit's going to haunt you, man. Honestly. I don't care how tough you think you are. That death tapes will fuck you up. But, uh, yeah, guys, I appreciate you, uh, you know, letting us do this. Fiden, shout out to you for never leaving me alone about it and convincing <laughs> me to finally do it. Uh, yeah. What's next? We do another episode next week? Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, next week we'll be back to Drew finally. Feels like we've been on me for fucking ever, even though I only did two episodes. Yeah, but I did those two. Now we're going back. Balance. Now we're now it's balanced out again, so now we're back on track. We'll be here next week. Next week, God forbid. I don't know what the fuck Drew's gonna have planned. He always has the weirdest shit planned, but I mean, just stay tuned, fellow losers. It might be a surprise. It might be an emotional ride. It might be something Drew is passionate about. Yeah, I don't know. Also, just a little, you know little Easter egg to drop for you guys to get you hyped for something that might happen in the near future. I'm currently trying to set up an interview with somebody who I'm super excited to talk to. Hopefully we can make it happen because I think it would be fucking amazing. And if we can get it done, obviously we'll let you guys know as soon as it becomes official, but just know that if we can have, we can get this thing done, it's going to be a fucking good episode. This be like Katy Perry blowing fireworks off her, uh, off her bosoms. Oh my god, Drew. You just always gotta say something to ruin it. Every time. Yeah, but it's gonna be a fire go magical moment. But yeah, guys, uh I think that's gonna be it from us. So, you know, life is short. Always be your weirdest self. <laughs> <laughs>